An oil lamp flickered, and the odd collection of humans looked like the eerie faces around an 80s horror movie campfire. But in this film, no one told a ghost story. They were living it. The stone groaned. The noise of the hotel toppling over them had been deafening. Their screams and the collapsing history mingling into one extended cacophony of terror. The ceiling cracked, just a hairline that jutted back from the sealed door to the kitchen area. Every time something else crashed overhead, a trickle of fine debris fell into the bunker, slowly building a small white pile, like an early dusting of snow. I am Alana, and this is Racing Home, the podcast where I unpack the journey of writing the first book in a series about the end of the world. Welcome. Today is Christmas Eve. It is December 24th. I am sitting down to record because life got away from me and I just didn't have time. I'm living in this weird place of disappearing time. <laughs> like like Mondays, it feels so great and I'm, I'm going to get all this stuff done. And I do. I get so much done. But Friday comes like... A train it just I feel like it rolls me down and I'm never ready and I need three more days in my week to get through all the things and this is one of those things that it was on my list from Monday I kept pushing it back pushing it back and I'm like no I'll get to it I'll get to it and of course here I am Christmas Eve when I should be um, in my house hanging out with my family it's fine this isn't gonna take long I don't know how you're feeling this holiday but it's been a weird one for me. I've had a really hard time getting in the spirit. And I think that's probably a combination of of just all the projects I have on the go. I have a lot of things I want to make sure are off my list by the end of the year so I can feel really fresh in 2024. And I've done a lot of learning in 2023 as far as workload and time budget and things like that. So I'm excited to implement some new systems that are really going to help me, but I'm just not feeling Christmas. Like I feel kind of sad. And if you know me, you know, I'm one of the most positive people, annoyingly so. So it's a strange place to be. Like I didn't even want to put up my Christmas tree. And that has a lot to do with my cat who wrecks it. So we don't have decorations on it and we have to fix the branches every day. Like that's just annoying. It's just a lot. a lot. And this is so petty. And I'm, I want to be clear that I'm so grateful for, for my family, for my home, for everything, but it just feels ugh, Christmas. It's going to be great. This will be released on Boxing Day. So hopefully I've had a full mood shift by then. And in the interest of full honesty and disclosure, I think I'm feeling a bit down because I haven't yet met my financial goal for my business in 2023. Like I, I'm so close. I think I'm at like 98%, which is incredible. And I'm so thrilled that I've been able to maintain this business and essentially meet those goals to keep it sustainable. But at the same time, the high I felt last year when I met and exceeded my goal I think that propelled me the whole for this entire year because it was such a pivotal, important thing for me to meet. And I think I assumed I would just 
be able to do it again and to be shy just a tiny bit. And I know the year's not over yet. Like perhaps before the 31st, I'm going to see that just inch, inch over that line. Either way, I know I need to feel proud about this accomplishment, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm feeling um, kind of discouraged and that's just me being honest. And I also wonder if I dropped the ball a little bit and got a little complacent and comfortable and that maybe next year I need to set my financial business goals higher to increase that pressure. And that's scary, but that's that's where I am. I need a real push. Now, I do have a book coming out pretty early in 2024 that uh, the author, their goal is a million copies, which I think is just magic. And I will not rate on that parade. And if we can make that happen, whoo, this is going to be a different conversation next, next December. But I mean, I'm joking, but I'm, I'm not, I think setting goals that are higher than we maybe actually believe we can reach lights a fire that can change everything. So that is the energy I want to take into 2024. I want to get out of this funk because this is not where I comfortably land. This is not who I am. So stay tuned. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So it's December 24th. And when I started recording this podcast, my intention was to stay really ahead of it. So I have like three episodes in the bag so that there's not this urgency to sit down on Christmas Eve and record. But of course, life projects, there's so much going on and it just gets away. So I'm very thankful I did have that buffer. So I haven't had to be as intense in recording, but now, <laughs> now it's down to the wire because this needs to release on Tuesday. We are almost to the end of the year. And as you know, my goal for the end of the year was to reach 70,000 words. So today, December 24th, which means I have how many days? <laughs> no, I'm too tired to do math. I have a few days left. I'm sitting at 69,319 words. So I'm so, so close. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll even write today. I dreamed about my story last night, which I love in a lot of ways, but also it adds this new kind of layer of urgency and anxiety. I was myself, but I was in this pocket of surviving humans. And we were kind of gathered, sleeping on the floor, dirty blankets in this broken city. So that that is not even in in the book at this point. All the survivors are in underground safe, safe spaces. And so I don't have above ground survivors yet, but this, it came to me very vividly and visually it's stunning. Like it's why we like shows like The Walking Dead or any of those apocalyptic shows where we see the destroyed city, but the life of the humans. So yeah, but 
the great anxiety of this dream was not that the world is ending and we're the last survivors. It was that I had escaped from wherever I was. I was now with this group, but I'd forgotten my heart medication. So I knew or suspected that even if this group survived, I wouldn't because I didn't have my medication. And so at that point I woke up and I was like, hmm, maybe I have some feelings about my own mortality here. If you have been following me on Instagram, maybe you'll remember last summer where I shared about a three-day migraine that I had, which was brand new to me. I do experience migraines, not in the traditional pain debilitating sense, but in, uh, it's all ocular. So I lose vision. I have like sparkly things. I lose peripheral. It's usually like a 15 to 20 minute cycle. It's annoying, but it's not a big deal. Like I sit through it, close my eyes, let it pass, and then we move on. But in the summer, I had a stretch of three days where it was just a continuous, it would cycle and cycle and cycle. So I I felt um, unable to do anything. It sucked. So I, um, I went to my doctor and it was found that I have high blood pressure. Now, before this whole migraine thing started, I was waking up in the night with heart palpitations. And if you've never experienced that, it's uncomfortable, certainly no pain, but it's like a height of anxiety that's different from just stress. It's some, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's very uncomfortable, not good. I self-diagnosed, like, oh, I'm having heart palpitations. I need to cut down on my coffee, which is what I did. I reduced to one cup a day and I no longer woke up with heart palpitations. So I thought I was good, but no, I wasn't. The doctor told me my blood pressure was high. She checked it a couple times as I sat in her office because she thought, well, maybe I'm anxious coming in. Nope, it was it was consistent. And fun fact, high blood pressure can cause migraines. So it kind of all makes sense. So it was very high, not to the point of fear, but to the point of we need to put the brakes on and figure out what's going on and get this under control because it could turn into something not good. So I was put on a trial dose of a medication to help control my blood pressure. It was a very, very low dose. And after several months that showed to do nothing, nothing had changed. I had in that time reduced my salt intake. So that's good for me on many levels, but didn't solve the blood pressure. We did a full blood panel test for all the things that did come back clear, ended up increasing my medication, doubling the dose that I started on. And now my blood pressure is under control and that's great. It just means maybe for the rest of my life, I'm taking this medication every day, which is fine. So thankful for modern medicine. Yeah, but I think this dream is maybe tapping into a little residual anxiety I have around my health and that it's important that I keep taking care of it. So maybe in some ways it's affirming me and also a reminder that don't leave home without your medication because you never know when the world's going to end and if you don't have it in your pocket, you might be screwed. There is, there's always that tropey moment in an apocalyptic film 
where they're scrounging the pharmacy because someone needs their insulin or their birth control or or their heart medicine. So that'll be me at the end of the world, I guess. So we have that to, that to look forward to. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a bummer. But anyways, there was one other thing that I wanted to share. I really don't have any anything of real substance, but my sister was listening to an episode and I sign off at the end of every one with the phrase chin up bright eyes. She asked if this was the line from the book, if it was from one of the characters, and if so, that Kristen Bell needed to play that character in the movie. <laughs> so my response was, yes, it is a line from the book. It is actually the way one of my main characters signs off all his newsletters, his newsletters. So if Kristen Bell can play a middle-aged Indian man, then yes, yes, she can be the one who says chin up bright eyes. But I just love that um, that disconnect. I thought it was really funny. It gave me a nice little, a little fun book boost that I enjoyed. And now maybe I'm going to think of Kristen Bell every time I look at Rajiv Montgomery Noah on my screen. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, so, so really I don't have anything else to share. This is just me trying to stay consistent with my Tuesday postings. So this, this is what you're getting. You're getting a few little random thoughts. You're getting brought up to date that I am on track still for the 70,000 words. I think we'll be in 2024 when my next episode is live, right? It'll be like the second. I think that's a Tuesday. So hopefully by then I will be telling you that I've crossed 70,000 and let you know what my plans are for rolling out the next stage of this writing journey. So I'll just wrap things up by carrying on that excerpt from the beginning that had us in a basement bunker beneath an old hotel in Thunder Bay, Ontario. I'm going to talk about that hotel. I got to tour the basement and um, that was a really fun, exciting experience for me. So next year I'll be sharing about research trips and just the richness that can be gleaned by being in the place that you're writing about. Okay, so let's dive into the rest of this scene, or at least the part that I've written. I wrote this part, I, I wrote this scene yesterday, so it's, it's brand new. Maxine couldn't stop trembling. She and Rochelle clung to one another, a little warmth in the midst of the biting cold of fear. She tried to picture Bonnie's face, and though she knew it better than she knew her own, she couldn't conjure it from her memory. There were only feelings. Bonnie's presence had helped the world make sense. Safety, comfort, home. With a shaking hand, she dug into her pocket and pulled out her phone. It's like cutting through the darkness with a smoothness the lamp couldn't produce. Her lock screen held a picture of her and Bonnie, taken a year before on the day they had decided to ride the Staten Island Ferry just for fun and stayed on it for five round trips just because they could. They were on the upper deck, Bonnie's mouth wide open in a laugh, her head tipped back slightly but turned towards Maxine who stared right at the camera, the wind pushing her hair across Bonnie's lips. It was her favorite picture of them together. Safety, comfort, home. She touched a finger to Bonnie's face. Her battery said 23%. There was no signal. Who's that? Rochelle asked. My home, Maxine choked. 
Rochelle squeezed her and tried to place a light kiss on Maxine's cheek. Instead, her lips hit the soft spot just below her ear and it sent a confusing whisper of pleasure through Maxine's pain. The phone faded to black and Maxine immediately forgot what Bonnie's face looked like again. She pressed the button to light it up. 22% battery. She lay her head on Rochelle's shoulder and wept. Chin up, bright eyes. We're going to talk again in 2024. If you would like to support my writing journey with a small financial donation, you may do so by visiting bio.site slash Alana Rusnak. That link is available in the show notes. You can make a donation of any size of your choosing and it will go towards funding the production of this book. Writing takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. It requires a lot of coffee and chocolate. So if you wanna help out, that's one way you can do it. Donations over $50 will be automatically signed up to receive a signed copy of When the Trees All Burned at least one week before official launch. <laughs>